the cyborg cockroach search and rescue bug. Google and X or Twitter go head to head and I made a video clone of my whole entire self. This is AI for Everyone, a weekly roundup of the top stories in AI and tech for non-tech people who want to keep an ear out for the latest developments in the AI universe. I'm Miles Dillon and I've been studying AI since 2014. And this quick podcast keeps you informed and educated about the changes and opportunities coming to our working environment brought about by artificial intelligence. Hirotaka Saito. I hope I said your name right, dude, if you ever hear this. He's an engineer at Nanyang Technological University in Singapore. This guy is a bad boy. I'd love to meet this dude one day. He was inspired by the 2011 earthquake in Tokyo. I think he was in the city when it happened and there were 18,000 deaths or um, unfound bodies at that time. And quite a long time ago, when he was just an undergraduate, he decided that he was going to go full on and develop a technology centered around the use of some kind of insect that could go into the rubble and search for people. So now, this many years later, he's now developed this technology, this actual thing, and I've seen it work. You can find it on YouTube or if you search for cyborg, hissing, Madagascan cockroach, you'll find it. What it is, is he's he, he started out on the journey of trying to create a robot that would be able to go into the rubble that's small enough to fit in between the gaps and move around places. And they just found it a disaster it was so difficult to create something that was sturdy and strong enough and lasted long enough and didn't break when it got squashed and you know so many different problems so they decided to bypass the whole robot part and integrate some tech onto the back of an actual living creature so the payload on this thing is 15 grams it looks like a sort of printed circuit board on the back of a massive cockroach and on it has an infrared camera and a processor for detecting living people detecting living people that is sick and it can navigate rubble and debris in disaster stricken areas what's crazy about this is that it can be controlled by itself so it can just go and run around and go all over the place inside the rubble or it can be controlled by ai so ai will be um, directing it through the rubble or it can be controlled by a person and the way it's controlled sorry animal rights people this is a bit sketchy is it gives it little electric shocks i know it sounds terrible on the left side or the right side to direct it through different places. And they've demonstrated this by creating like a fake scene and they have these different A, B, C, D, E locations they want the cockroach to get to and they get it to go round. It's like watching Pac-Man going around a, a whole arena. It is wild. I, I must say though that the, the, um, the cockroaches move pretty fast whenever I've seen them when I've been on holiday. But the thing that's on the back of this cockroach ain't going that fast. It's got this quite big like circuit board on the back of it but i'm sure that'll get smaller over time but it is still moving around and what this guy let me get his name again hirotaka hirotaka soto is planning is that they will be able to release hundreds and hundreds into disaster zones and all these cockroaches will be off looking for people searching for them and identifying them and you know going to places where it's impossible for people to go to I think this is an amazing, amazing development. This is why I love doing this podcast. I love finding out about things like this and learning just the unbelievable stuff that people are doing where this is a perfect example of where AI and technology is really, really helping the planet. You can think of loads of disaster zones or war zones where this would be useful right now. Uh, maybe there are some people thinking, I don't want 800 or 1,000 cockroaches crawling around me when I'm trapped under the rubble. But I'm sure that if you were trapped under the rubble and you were going to survive as a result of this, you would not mind. So Hirotaka, you're a legend, mate. 
This next story, I'm not going to spend too long, but it is kind of important. I feel like if I did this episode and didn't talk about this, people would be like, why has he not brought that up? It's Gemini, Google Gemini, and X's, or used to be called Twitter, X's AI called Grok. Gemini and Grok and ChatGPT, they're all these large language models. They're the things where you can type in, if you don't know what this is, where you can type stuff in. You can say, hey, give me a rundown of what's been happening in Israel. Or you can paste an article in and you can say, give me a summary of this article. I can't even go into the use cases. It's thousands. Please go back into my last episodes if you don't know what that is. But Google have released their model and everyone's been waiting and waiting and waiting and Google have delayed and delayed. And now they've just released Gemini, but they're still haven't can't actually use it yet so i can't tell you that much about it but the people who have tried it have said that in the nine metrics that we're ch- testing these large language models eight out of nine of them have beat chat gpt so that is pretty big claims we just need to wait and see if that is actually going to happen the only category it doesn't beat in is in the hella swag category which i don't really know what that is apparently it's common sense reasoning for everyday tasks but I don't know why they call it hella sense swag, but that's the only one where it didn't beat ChatGPT. Now, on the other side, we've got Grok, which is X, Elon Musk, Twitter's version of this large language model. And the advantages that Grok has is that they use Twitter's live information and all of the back data on Twitter to train it. And that is pretty powerful. And obviously only Twitter really have access to all of that data. We have found out that Elon is trying to raise a billion dollars through an SEC filing that we've seen. That will obviously have a huge impact on it as well. But the real-time information access to Twitter and X really sets Grok apart from the alternative. The big question remains on how the team at XAI will filter out the disinformation and the noise on the platform of Twitter. But more to come about that when we are actually able to use those two models. So a bunch of you will have heard the episode where I cloned my voice. I got a lot of good feedback on the episode. People loved that. Now I've gone and done the next thing where I've cloned my voice and I've added on the persona, the face, the person, the body. So now you can add text and it won't just, you can't just type in what you want. You can type what you want and it will be said by someone that looks like me. And the way I've done that is using a website called HeyGen. It's very cool. And the reason why I've done this is because I'd like to put this podcast on YouTube, but I just don't think I've got the time or um, the skills to really do audio editing and the video editing and the lighting. And at the moment, I'm sitting in my tracksuit. I've just been to the gym and had a shower. I don't really want to get ready for filming. And I just think it will be so much easier if I take the audio of this podcast, chuck it into a um, audio to text processor, Take the text, copy that, paste it into HeyGen, and bang, you've got my voice reading those words, and it's looking like me, and I can put that straight up on YouTube, and that's easy peasy. Now, that is really cool use for creators and people who are making content, but you can see how it is going to be quite scary, because someone could take a little video of you, or a picture of you, or grab you from CCTV footage, or some video of you on Instagram or Facebook, and very, very easily... They could not only clone your voice, but they could clone you looking like you as well. And, you know, if you could type fast enough, you could do a FaceTime call with someone and respond in real time to the person talking to you on FaceTime. Now, that is really scary and really wild. But I I sometimes jump to the scary things about it and forget about the good stuff. The good stuff is that um, it's going to change creators 
actually can't really think of all the good things other than for creators. The other stuff, I don't really know why you want to create like a fake version of yourself. There are obviously these things that people, there's a whole website dedicated to filming your loved ones when they're, before they die so that you can continue and have a conversation with that person in the future and not a conversation that you've already had. You could have a conversation with them that you've never had before years and years after they died. So that's kind of creepy to me. I don't know what you think. I think once you're dead, you're dead. I don't really want to talk to you anymore. You should just get on with mourning. I don't know. Maybe some people will find that helpful. What do you think? I would be really interested in what my listeners think. Please hit me up. If you would like to see this video, you can go on my Instagram and see the video of me. My Instagram handle I'll put in the bottom. It's at MarsDillon86. And you can check that out. Hit me up on Instagram. Send me an email. My contact stuff is in the show notes. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I guess if you've got to this point in the podcast, you've listened to the whole thing. So thank you so much. Please do the same stuff. Like, subscribe. Hit me up. See you next week, guys. Bye.